Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This weekend is driving the Green Rush bus solo and speaking with Andrea Brooks, founder and CEO of Sava, a highly curated delivery company started in 2015, operating out of California's Bay Area. Andrea is both a lobbyist for social change and an entrepreneur with a passion for health and wellness. After experiencing a severe injury in which cannabis played a crucial role in her recovery, Andrea was inspired to become an advocate for the plant and to build solutions in the space. Since then, she's built Sava into a thriving cannabis e-commerce company, delivering quality vetted product to the larger Bay Area. Under her stewardship, Sava has grown from 1 to 50 employees, expanded its product offering to more than 70 brands and 750 SKUs and experienced 10x growth in revenue. So don't sit back, lean forward, and enjoy our conversation with Andrea Brooks. Andrea Brooks, I am so excited to talk to you. Um, I think what you guys are doing um, at Sava is really interesting. And I also um, love talking to uh, women who are uh, entrepreneurs and leaders in this industry. So um, welcome to the show. And can you tell our listeners um, about Sava? Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So Sava is um, a lifestyle e-commerce and delivery platform we're highly curated. We gear towards women, although we definitely have um, quite a strong male customer base as well. But we really focus on education of the products. And then we have a very specific curation standard that brands need to meet in order to be on the platform. So we're really trying to have a very sophisticated e-commerce experience that is more just what you would expect of any other e-commerce experience and really just meeting those high standards rather than just being the high standards within the cannabis industry. And given that uh, the industry is structured the way it is, you guys are in California only right now, right? Correct. We are in the Bay Area. So we're based in San Francisco and then we deliver to nearly 80 cities in the Bay Area. So we go up to the North Bay, deep into the East Bay, also into the South Bay, down to San Jose from San Francisco. Uh, we're working on our expansion, but the Bay Area has been our stomping ground. Got it. So I always like to go back and, or we as a podcast, because we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs who are listening, I always, we're always interested in the entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, there are some people who were like, I always knew I was going to be in cannabis, legal or not, <laughs> um, you know, and other people who are like, I'm making this career pivot because I have this calling or, you know, I'm seeing an opportunity there. Can you share a little bit about your personal cannabis journey? Yeah, and I'm definitely the latter. I did not expect. <laughs> you didn't dream about being in cannabis as a little kid? I mean, you know, I, I thought I was I was one of those little girls that was going to be like a ballerina or a veterinarian. So <laughs> okay. no, this, isn't, this wasn't a part of my plan. Um, and my career path before starting Sava was very different. I was a consultant for 
uh, NGOs, both domestically and overseas, and loved what I did, was all about creating change in the world, how to give back, creating positive change, to be specific. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, you have to be specific these days, right? Um and then about 10 years ago, I had a major injury that affected my spine and left me with severe nerve damage in my arms and thus very intense chronic pain. Um, I'd never experienced anything like that before. And really, you know, I don't know if people can understand what chronic pain is until you have a personal experience. It's like that the worst headache that you've ever had that doesn't go away for a couple of years, wow. you know, and um, the the short version is, you know, I was going to a lot of doctors around this injury and what I was eventually told after trying to recover was, you know, this is a permanent disability. I'm going to have to go on disability and, you know, I'm not going to be able to do office work again or, you know, work ever like how I used to. So, you know, really it felt like overnight my life just stopped. Um, and it was utterly devastating. And I was taking a lot of pain medications to just get through the day. Not, it wasn't, this wasn't even getting me well, but it was just surviving. Um, but it, that's really what it was is I was existing, but I wasn't living. Mm. And a couple of years went by that way. And then I happened to cross paths with an old friend who is a cannabis grower. Um, he has a beautiful farm in Mendocino and he gave me this wonderful personalized education about cannabis. And this is way before we knew what CBD was. It was not, you know, in the lexicon, the way it is today. Mm -hmm. And um, through talking with him and him guiding me and helping, you know, me go on a protocol after one month of using cannabis, I weaned off of all of the pain medications I'd been taking for years. Wow. And I never, ever thought cannabis was going to be the game changer for me. It was more of a last resort than anything else. It was not on my list of therapies that I was still going to try. So, and it wasn't like I was, you know, cured overnight. I had a long road of like extra, like strength building and a lot of recovery work to do, but I felt um, cannabis allowed me and supported me to do those things to help my body. It helped me manage my pain and inflammation better. And it also greatly improved my mood coming off the medications, which I felt kind of flatlined. Mm -hmm. So having this, you know, um, dramatic experience, you know, I was really left with, you know, why didn't I come to cannabis sooner? How many other people are there out there like me? And like, what do I want to do about it? So I started, you know, investigating all of my barriers to entry and my blockers. And a lot of it was around, you know, um, and I'll say the industry, you know, has definitely progressed, but, you know, it was not understanding the products, how they were made, how to use them, um, not being able to get the information I wanted in the way that I wanted online, uh, not caring about a speedy delivery, caring about a high quality product. You know, I'm mm -hmm. someone who likes to read the ingredient list of everything I put in my body. I want to know what's happening. I want to be a part of my wellness journey. So I felt that I couldn't really find this type of personalization, education, um, 
and high quality products all in one place. And I also was, you know, very into low dose products. I, I love THC. I also, you know, I love smoking a joint at the end of every day, but in terms of how I was approaching this medically, which was very much from a, you know, medical perspective, you know, I wanted to know where all the great topicals were. I was taking, you know, tinctures and topicals were a lot, you know, were the mainstay of um, how I was recovering. Mm -hmm. So, and I, you know, so I'm realizing this and I start getting involved in the industry, you know, this is now 2014, 2015. And I was meeting so many incredible product makers that were focused on tinctures and topicals. And they were, you know, most of these were women owned brands that were expressing that they were getting, they weren't getting welcomed strongly into dispensaries because it was all about the high. And these are products that didn't get people high. And again, I just had this feeling, I'm like, there is a market for this. You know, there's just not the entry point where people feel safe. So I really wanted to create a marketplace where people can have a sense of trust of how quality the products are and um, that you can take the time to know which is going to be the right fit for you based on the education and search tools that we're providing. Right. So I really wanted a more sophisticated e-commerce experience. And I also very much believe in values-based shopping. So we like to bring out those values of like how it's grown, who's the owner of this brand, you know, things like that. That, and that's something that really stood out on your website and it kind of played around with it. And I, you know, kind of went through the, if I'm looking for sleep, if I'm looking for low dose, if I'm looking and it, it, the curation is, is the, the navigation and the curation is great. Um, but your values, um, as a company are, are front and center. It, it's, it's interwoven in the brand. And I mean, we work with, um, a lot of companies, a lot of MSOs and a lot of LPs who are like, they're almost doing it in reverse. And they're, they're like, like, wait, well, you know, now we need to kind of like insert like values around equity, values around the environment. And those are two that really stood out to me. Um, and I'd like to kind of take them a little bit uh, separately. So um, can you talk to me about the 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 equity side of the business and 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 what you specifically what you guys are doing? Because I think that so many companies are just like, I don't, I don't know. Does it mean just we, we make a donation and then call it a day? Like, you know, uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I feel it. <laughs> so can no. you talk a little bit about it and why it is so important to your brand? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, again, it goes back to what's important to me and also my co-founder Amanda. So there's, you know, there's also the fact that we are a uh, women founded women led company. Um, there's not that many women owned deliveries that are thriving in California or outside of California, um, or, you know, like women owned e-commerce, you know, mm -hmm. experiences. So for us, again, just being who we are out of the gate, we had a commitment that 50% of the brands on Sabo would be women owned. Um, and then we've expanded on that and last year made sure that at minimum 20% of brands on Sava would be BIPOC owned. Uh, we exceed both of those percentages. So we do regularly check in on that and making sure we're keeping to that. We also um, make sure that there, I'm a 
gay woman. So supporting LGBTQ brands is also very important to me. So we have probably the densest array of queer owned brands um, of any marketplace in California. So a lot of it is just, again, you know, bringing what we want to see in the world and bringing that through the company. And I believe you can build a profitable company that is wanting to create, you know, positive change in the world. So, and I guess a little bit more to values is when we're looking at companies and we we're, we're always diving deeper in this is I want to know how a company is giving back. Are they going to be a good partner with me? We do multiple give backs a year, at least once a quarter mm-hmm. um, where we're donating a percentage of, you know, let's say like first of the month, we'll give $5 or $10 from each sale to um, a BIPOC led nonprofit. That's, you know, uh, creating positive state change and, uh, social impact. And um, it's an ongoing commitment. You know, this isn't just something to do once and say that you did that, you know, make an Instagram post, you know, that doing something just like that, or just putting out a statement to me is kind of where things move into just being performative. It's really, what are you doing day to day? What other conversations you're having day to day? You know, how do you push yourself to be better? And um, I think that journey is never done. There's always more learning. There's always more growing, you know, you, you know, I'm, I am trying to always push myself to be better and to learn and not feel like I've reached the end of my road. And, you know, there's something we're always kind of balancing is like our personal values of how we see the world and also the values as they pertain to cannabis. So something that's very important to us is environmental impact um, of the companies, both in terms of how they grow their cannabis or sourcing it, as well as the packaging. And are they, um, making it as, you know, are they taking recyclability and composting and these things into play? It is challenging. How do you do that? I mean, it can be done. One company can do it. Another company can do it. We do have to be mindful of which companies, also, we have some really small companies and getting a plastic tube versus a glass tube can be can be a big challenge to someone. But um, there's there are ways that you can impact this. You know, if a brand wants to be on Sava and they have all of their joints in a plastic tube, I can say I'd love to work with you once you put them in a glass tube. And that is something we've done. And so to that end, all of those joints now that come through us are now able to be recycled rather than those plastic tubes going in the trash. So I think there's a lot of different ways that people can make an impact. Well, and I think it's so interesting because the the community itself lends itself to being green, lends itself to um, caring about the environment, caring about a plant, caring about how, how it is grown and harvested and all of that. And then you have these, onerous regulations on how the single source packaging, the, um, the, the fact that there are people that you can't compost, um, all of the waste from, from a harvest, um, because the, the city or the state won't let you like, it is so beyond, it just blows my mind that like, you, you don't have the same regulations for tobacco. You don't have the same regulations for corn, for anything else that like, and this is a, a natural product that, you know, you, 
put it back into the earth and and everything will be fine. Like it is, it is just baffles me that, that we can't, we can't get the environmental side around this as more quickly. Um, you know, and, and I don't think the state of California is necessarily doing a better job than others. I mean, I don't know. What do you, do you have an opinion there? You know, oh gosh, I, it's hard. I, I feel like the country, the state, the city, there's so much more that needs to be done around making recycling programs, for example, actually work. I mean, if you really <laughs> dig into things and I won't go too much down this sad rabbit hole, but like, you know, things that look on the surface of like, this city has recycling. It's like, what's going on behind the scenes? I live in San Francisco. We compost here as part of the city. That happens in many other areas of the, uh, many other cities in the Bay. So I love that. You know, I think we're ahead of many places, but again, um, you know, how can you push yourself to be doing the best possible? Um, that's, that's for me, what's really important. And I think coming from a nonprofit background, um, helps infuse the company with a mission. And I'm, you know, for me, this isn't just, I'm, I'm not just here to do e-commerce. Like we're building a brand with Saba as well. We stand for something. When someone shops with us, they know where their money is going. And when I think of ways that people can create impact in the world, being able to know where your dollar goes is a big part of it. So, you know, there's, there's things that when, you know, we're looking for, you know, when I hear a brand says to me, Hey, my, my, again, like single, my joint tubes are compostable. Like that makes me perk up. I want to do business with that person that's thinking in that way. So to me, it's, it's all about making the right partnerships. Um, and that includes large companies too. So we, we definitely support a lot of small artisan legacy brands. It's very important to me. There's also large brands that are, you know, kicking butt and doing it the right way. And so I'm all about doing business with them as well. You know, so uh, it's not that, you know, we, I think of us as being, you know, the place, the marketplace where you'll find the most women owned brands, the most BIPOC owned brands, the most LGBTQ brands owned brands, but also the best of the best of the large brands as well. And it's really, you know, the word elevating has been used many times in the industry, but there's still room to grow with this. There's still people that need a helping hand and need a trusted source to make the leap into cannabis. And um, you need great brick and mortar stores to do that. And you need great deliveries to do that as well. Um, how are you guys, is this, is this highly curated, um, element of, of what you guys do. Is that your secret sauce? I mean, because you're also talking about competitors like ease and, um, you know, all of these other delivery delivery services. So is, is the, are we talking, you know, the quality, the curation, or, or is that your, um, unique selling proposition? So mm -hmm. our ethos as a company and, you know, we're, you know, there's, there's absolutely a place for ease and, and other deliveries like them. Yeah. Um, they're also going after a bit of a younger audience. Um, that's not, you know, we're going after an older demographic that 
uh, you know, and we're, we're not doing the type of delivery where it's like a meal delivery model. So we're, we're structured quite differently and thus we're going after different demographic. Um, you know, we, we focus on scheduled delivery only. It's not about a quick turnaround. It's about finding the right fit for your needs. And we do think that is an important part of retention and, um, and really just our desire to have people make the, the right match. I mean, cannabis was a game changer for me. It was my catalyst to recovery. There are people out there that can be benefiting from cannabis now. They need, um, they might need some handholding. And so that's, that's also our approach around like education is it's not, it's not always about getting that quick convert of a customer. I mean, if you really help someone find what's gonna work for them, you know, their life has changed and you can also hopefully have a customer for life. And so we're always bringing these things together and believe that it can make, and it has made a profitable company. And so we've, we've been here for years, we're growing, we're working on our expansion. And so I'm really interested, you know, in consumers that and, and helping to educate consumers how cannabis can be a part of their wellness every day. And I, I want to talk about how you guys are growing um, in a minute, but I do have a question about how are you sourcing your, how are you sourcing the brands on the platform? So are they coming to you knocking on the door being like, I want to be on your platform or are you like, you know, doing some fun research and like making sure like, you know, just knocking on their doors. Is it a little bit of both? Like, how do you, how do you guys meet? It's a little bit of both. I mean, there's a lot of things we're looking for. You know, we want we want relationships with our brands that are true partners. We truly do. Mm-hmm. It's very important to us. Um, so we look at a lot of different things. So there's definitely people that reach out to us, but more often than not, it's us doing research and saying, wow, this company looks awesome. Let's let's connect with them. Let's start talking with them. Are they going to be, you know, a good marketing partner, a good brand partner? Do they reflect our ethos, you know, and there's companies where in the first couple minutes, you're like, okay, this is not mm-hmm. the right fit. And then there's the talks where you're just so excited. And honestly, that's some of the best part of being in this industry. I've met so many incredible people um, and their passion and what they see this can be. And that, you know, I think also the partnerships that we build understand that this is a long journey and not a short journey. It is a it is a longer marathon than many of us thought it would be, I think, in the beginning. But that's that's the reality of it. So it's kind of like accept it and keep it moving forward because all the potential and possibility is still there. Right. All of it is still there. But you know, so it's really, to me, it's also building the right ecosystem around me. And that, that goes for our investors. It also goes for the brands because those brand relationships can blossom in so many different ways as we're all looking to what's going to come next for us and our companies. You know, you, you talk about starting the company in, in 2015, right? So, um, that's like, I kind of think of cannabis like dog years, right? Like that's a long time ago. Like you're a legacy operator at this point for all intents and purposes. Um, like, so what, what have you seen that has surprised you the most? And, and can we talk about how, like, what was your first investor meeting? Like, like, how did you go and like pitch this idea? Oh, wow. Well, 
so many different things. Um, well, in the beginning, I didn't really feel it was quite hard for me to pitch because I wasn't a known quantity in terms of the business world or e-commerce or tech. I had a nonprofit background. So I think um, I was able to get meetings. I was able to get in front of people. I think people were really interested in what I had to say in my story, but you know, you, you stack me up against someone who is coming from a big name tech company. I'm by that, by that standard, I'm a huge risk as opposed to potentially an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, it felt, it felt hard. And, um, I decided to just say, screw this. I believe in this. I'm going to bootstrap this. I'm getting this done. I'm going to invest my money and say, you know, put my money where my mouth is and get this company off the ground. So, uh, Saba got started without outside capital. Um, my very first investor who is a close friend today, um, and has invested, has returned to invest and makes great intros. You know, she was a woman and she got what I was doing right away. Um, she reached out to me and was like, I see what you're doing. I see what you're trying to do for the industry. So um, I'm fortunate to have uh, an early adopter that provided a gateway to a lot of other folks. Um and it was still hard, you know, it's, I'm completely self-taught in doing this. So in the beginning, I was like, I guess this is my MBA. I'm learning all of these things, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I also did, you know, my background as a consultant, I would go into agencies and do full evaluations and, you know, talk to them about how to build new rev- revenue streams, talk to them about what programming was probably missing, you know, did do fundraising. So a lot of, I believe in transferable skills. I believed all of my skills would transfer. I look at some of my hires that way also. Um, Mm -hmm. There's some roles where it's critical that they do have a knowledge of cannabis, you know, if they're buyers and things like that, but there's also roles where someone's skills can completely um, come over and be of significant value. So um, my... But yeah, I guess what I'm saying is my very first investor meetings didn't really go anywhere. And I just decided to plow ahead anyway. Um, and then over time and practice got better and better. And I also have a background in policy and public speaking. And um, I, I enjoy that part of the job. I'm talking about a company I love and what I want to accomplish. Um, what I would like to see and talk about frequently is more capital available for women. This has been a topic of conversation since I started Sava, and um, it is a conversation that still needs to be front and center because mm-hmm. what we know is that women own businesses and women in leadership, the numbers are going down. They're quite a bit less than when I started in the industry. And access to capital is the number one reason why that's happening. And um, it's frustrating seeing all the statistics that exist out there of that women do build more profitable companies compared Mm -hmm. to men. Um, And it's still this battle. And I still feel that I have to battle and prove myself frequently. 
Um, and so what women need is not to be fighting for smaller checks like the 50 or 100K investments. You know, women need that big money out the door also. And that goes for women knowing what to ask for and not being afraid to go for it. And then hopefully savvy investors that know where to come in um, and that where there is a great opportunity. And I'm worried women are getting more and more left behind because it's hard to catch up once, you know, a competitor or something raises significantly more capital than you and you're, right. you know, you don't want to get lapped. Right. So I know I'm getting a little, a little off topic, but it's something um, I think about a lot, something I, I published about and um, yeah. So as you go into, so you, you mentioned you're uh, raising your series a, um, Ha, t- talk to me about that approach. That's the, I mean, you're, you're talking about your learning as you go. Um, you know, what's, what's this been like? And, and, you know, there's, there's definitely money out there, um, in, in this marketplace. Um, you know, and, and I just am wondering what, what's the process been like? Um, and especially with COVID, like how is that affecting, um, your business? Because a lot of times, I mean, we, we work with, um, a lot of investors and there's like this, like whites of your eyes kind of thing. Like they want to see you, they want to meet with you. They want to shake your hand. And that's like, I don't want to shake anybody's hand right now. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what is, how has that been like? What has that been I, like I miss the in-person meetings, quite frankly. I yeah. feel, I, I'm big on, I don't want to sound like a Bay Area woo-woo person, but you know, that <laughs> there is nothing that really replicates that in-person connection and that energy that can be happening when you're like, I get this person, this yeah. person gets me, you know, you can feel it. It's palpable. And so I personally really miss it. I much prefer to be raising where I can be meeting with people regularly, not just having to organize one trip and then go back to a video. You know, I, so I, 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 for me, it's a little bit more of a challenge and I, it's possible that for other people, but deals go on. We all have to mm-hmm. adapt. Um, in terms of a learning curve, you know, I think the most important thing that people need to do or is hire people smarter than you hire people that you can learn from. You know, I just, I look at my hires of, you know, who is, who is the biggest, you know, rock star badass that I can, that I can work with, you know? And so to that end with raising, you know, we, um, have an incredible CFO now, Leah Madden. Um, so, you know, I work with her closely on things. And so it's, you know, it's not me out there still teaching myself. We've been able, you know, with the funds we've raised and with our growth, been able to bring in more talent that just keeps the company, growing stronger. What's the call to action here? Can I, can I ask like, you know, so we have a lot of people and we have a lot of listeners who are, um, who are active investors in this investors in the space, either from a retail point of view with publicly traded companies, um, or, you know, for angel investors or, um, you know, people, VCs, family offices, how do they get in touch with you to, um, to talk about, to talk about it? People can uh, reach out to me directly over email. It's Andrea at getsava.com. That's G-E-T-S-A-V-A. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Andrea Brooks. Um, And so we're we're really excited to be at this point. And I'm ready 
to grow. You know, we had multiple months last year when we were cash flow positive. We've been investing some more now this year and dialing in how to make a delivery actually profitable is not a small feat. And we've been able to do it. And now that we've been able to do it, it's time to really move. So I'm very excited to be at this place where we can be pushing the gas pedal and replicating what's already worked and going a lot stronger where we currently are, and then also bringing Sava to other areas in the state. So we have partnerships lined up and um, in different cities in California, and we're, we're excited to move. It's time to grow. And um, it's, there's incredible excitement you know, all throughout the team up and down to be getting to this point where we can bring a lot more of our creative ideas and vision into action. So we'll make sure we have uh, all of that information in our show notes so that people who are interested can just take a look there. Um, thank you so much for your time. I do have one last question for you. Um, we we ask this of a lot of our guests, but um, if is there... What's the one story if you were to open um, the Chronicle tomorrow uh, and it's on the front page and it's about cannabis? What's your dream headline? What's your dream story? Or maybe think about it like what's the story that's not being told that you wish was being told? Oh, let me think for a minute. Mm-hmm. I Because there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I talk about a couple? Totally. Go for it. I would love to see a headline where anyone that is currently in jail for cannabis use in the U.S. is uh, getting their record wiped clean and getting released. I would love to see that. Um, I think it's really disgraceful that there's people incarcerated while others of us are able to be starting businesses. and that people are being able to come in while the people that paved the way for us are still paying the price. So I would love to see a major shift there. And I would love to see headlines about funds that are gearing their funds um, and big chunks of capital to women-owned businesses. I would love to see that just kind of take over um, and kind of reclaim some of the potential that I think this industry had that I'm concerned it's losing. I would read all of those articles. <laughs> Andrea Brooks, founder and CEO of Sava. Thank you so much for your time um, and good luck with the Series A. Thank you. It was great to be here. Huge thanks to Andrea Brooks, founder and CEO of Sava. Check them out at getsava.com or at GetSava on Instagram. And if you're interested in learning more about the Series A, feel free to email Andrea directly at andrea at getsava.com. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We love your feedback. We love your guest ideas. uh, And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay, one take.